This is Brian Peckford. This is Julie Panessi. This is Zuby. Hi, it's James Chop. This is Cabby Richards. Hey, everybody, this is Paul Brandt, and you're listening to the Sean Newman Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, folks. Happy Friday. I hope the week has flied by for you. It's been a lot of fun on this end of things, uh, soaking up some sun with the with the family out on a little uh, family road trip. Uh, we got a cool one on tap for you today. Before we get there, let's get to today's episode sponsors, Upstream Data. Uh, its owner was on the podcast. I say this an awful lot these days. Episode 163 had Stephen Barber on. Uh, he is... Uh, pioneered upstream data they uh, uh, use a very unique idea uh, taking bitcoin miners out to the oil field using waste gas in order to uh, to run the bitcoin miners although you know i got a tour of their facility and they got a whole bunch of you don't need waste gas by any stretch of the imagination you can get an engine they got a whole bunch of different uh, uh, ensembles so to speak uh, a bunch of different variations of what they can do for you they can put them in their barns out on the oil field that they can they can go in your garages and your houses or around your houses i should say like it's pretty cool uh, to see what you're doing and if you're around the lightminster area at almost uh, see if you get a tour of it because I mean to be in there and see what they're doing uh, is super cool and I mean it's it's a modular Bitcoin mining um, you know started in the oil field and now they've started to really tinker with it uh, certainly oil field uh, applications are there but other ones as well for more information go to upstreamdata.ca Rectech for over 20 years, Rectech Power Products have committed to excellence in the power sports industry. They offer a full lineup including Can-Am, Ski-Doo, Sea-Doo, Spider, Mercury, Evinrude, and Mahindra Rocks. Are, uh, as the summer months cook along here, uh, we all know we're hard on our machines, and their parts department can hook you up with any upgrades or odds and ends you need. Uh, they're open Monday through Saturday, and for further details, visit them at rectechpowerproducts.com or give them a call, 780-870-5464. And HSI Group, they're the local oil field burners and combustion experts that can help make sure you have a compliance system working for you. The team also offers security, surveillance, and automation products for residential, commercial, livestock, and agricultural applications. Uh, I see them all over town. And, of course, uh, I always bring up Profit River, uh, another podcast sponsor. they got HSI Group in there for their new facility. They use technology to give you peace of mind so you can focus on the things that truly uh, matter. Stop in today, 3902 52nd Street, or give Brody or Kim a call at 306-825-6310. And Gartner Management is a Lloyd Minster based company specializing in all types of rental properties to help meet your needs. You know, whether you're looking for a small office like myself or you got multiple employees, Wade can hook you up. Give them a call today, 780-808-5025. Now to that tail of the tape brought to you by Hancock Petroleum. For the past 80 years, they've been an industry leader in bulk fuels, lubricants, methanol, and chemicals delivering to your farm, commercial, or oil field locations. For more information, visit them at HancockPetroleum.ca. Spent 15 years as a raging gambling addict, lost millions and nearly destroyed his family. He resorted to criminal acts to feed his addiction and ultimately ended up in jail. He's now seven years free of it. I'm talking about Patrick Chester. So buckle up. Here we go. Welcome to the Sean Newman podcast. Today I'm joined by Patrick Chester. So first off, sir, thanks for hopping on. Sean, thanks for having me. Looking forward to um, having a good conversation and should be a, an informative one, you know, about sports betting and, and gambling and, and all sorts of things. Well, when when I read your bio, uh, one of the things that's really been sticking out to me um, watching the NHL playoffs right now is like every commercial, not like 
three of four. It's like every commercial is about sports betting. I, you know, like uh, bet 99, bet 365. There's one with MGM grand. Now, like it's just on and on and on it goes. And I'm like, geez, th- this is strange. Right. Cause I'm like, obviously gambling is an addictive thing, but Hey, uh, uh, people could point back to cigarettes and a whole bunch of different things, but sports betting right now is a really, really, uh, um, cool thing to be doing. And you can do it so simply from your phone and everything else. And so then I read your bio and I was like, Ooh, this seems like a nice fit. So maybe Patrick, we could start with a little bit about yourself and, and then just, you know, whatever point you want to hop in the story, uh, I'm curious to hear it and, and we'll see where it goes. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, for me, I grew up playing sports, love sports. Uh, you know, football was my thing. College football I grew up going to college football games when I was, I started going, when I was five years old, played baseball, hockey, as a, as a kid, basketball, all of it. Right. And so the more, you know, when I got into my college years, you know, this is before online gambling, you know, um, I'm, I just turned 50 years old. So I was, I started betting, you know, when I was around 21, 22 years old before all the online avenues were there, you know? And so I was betting primarily through bookies and that sort of thing. And then offshore accounts and that sort of thing too. But, what happened to me was I, I was just betting recreationally with friends and it was fun and it was, it was harmless in my mind. It was harmless, but as somebody that's susceptible to addiction, like I am, it runs in my family. And for people that are, that are more prone to, to addiction, these things can sneak up on you. And that's what it did with me. And, you know, as I, as I got into my late twenties and early thirties, I started betting more and more and more and more. And before I could really uh, understand it or recognize it, I had a, I had a full blown addiction going and, and I just couldn't stop all of my money. You know, the money that I should have been allocating towards uh, bills and, and, and that sort of thing was now going towards my gambling. And so it was about that time, you know, like I say, in my early thirties where I started to realize, Hey, I, I'm losing control here. Well, when you talk about, you know, you're just betting and, you know, and then it started to get out of hand. Like, are you talking, you know, like I, I, I bet like three times a year. I don't even know if it's that much, but you, you get the idea. And my bet is like, I don't know, $10 over here, $20 over there. Like, I don't know, maybe even a couple bucks. Like I'm to me, I'm not really, I guess I'm curious. How does it get out of like what are you talking about? You you betting you started out at ten dollars and then by the end you're doing five hundred dollars, or is it like or is that even in the realm? So yeah, so what happened? You know, when I first started, it was 50 bucks, it was 75 bucks. You know, I would bet a football game once a week, you know. <clears throat> to me, not not a big, big deal. But yeah, so when it starts to get out of hand, I'm now betting four or five hundred bucks. I'm betting a thousand bucks and I'm not telling anybody about it. Right. So now I'm starting to 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 isolate. I'm starting to keep it to myself because I think in the back of my mind I know that what I'm doing is is, is not right. So yeah, it's 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 taking money that should be going towards something else, whether it's five hundred or a thousand or eventually, you know, we can get into it in a minute. It got it got <clears throat> to be way more than that. But yeah, I knew, that's when I knew it was a problem. I started putting a thousand bucks on 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 games two or three times a week, as opposed to once a week. And then it's then it's every day, and then it's then it becomes this game of chase, right? If you lose a bet, if I were to lose a bet, well, I've got to get that money back, so I've got to double it up now, you know. And then it just becomes this this cycle that that I got into 
that once I got into it, it was really, really hard to get out. You can just, I don't know, stop. I, I, I know that's probably a really dumb question to ask, but I'm like, I don't know. You're down like three grand, whatever the number is. Well, I, I guess maybe how much did you get down? Well, yeah. I mean, we, <laughs> towards the end of it, it was over, I was over a million dollars. Oh. I was over a million dollars in debt, at, but at the end of, at the end of my run, which we can get into it in here in a minute, but yeah, you just said something very interesting, Sean. It's, it's, it's to the, to the outsider, somebody that doesn't hasn't experienced addiction or doesn't understand what addiction is. This is no different in the brain. The gambling, the gambling addiction is no different than, than the heroin addict or the meth addict or the alcoholic. It's yeah. From the outside, Hey, just stop doing it. You know, just stop. Well, it's beyond that. We're beyond that point. Now there was probably a time early on where I could have just stopped, but as a full blown addict, you're no longer able to just stop. You've got to get professional help and figure out why you're doing what you're doing and why you're making the decisions that you're making. Um, because you're sick, your brain is, your brain is a mess. Hmm. I'm curious today. It's so accessible. I'm trying to go back 30 years and try and remember what, what gambling was. I'm only in my thirties. So I remember going to, uh, you know, different spots here in Canada and doing sports line, um, which, you know, uh, allowed you to bet a certain amount of uh, dollars at, you know, like, uh, gas stations and that type of thing. Um, 30 years ago, you talked about, uh, going to bookies and that type of thing. I assume once you start hitting those dollar values, you had to go to certain spots in order to even pull that off. Yeah. So like to bet a certain amount, is that what you're saying? Yes. Like, yeah, what well, that's true. You know, you had to, um, right. Once you had, you had to, to, to I had to, to mix it up and, and go different, different places and, and go through different bookies and that sort of thing. And then what happened, you know, once I got into my thirties, then I started, I was able to do it, um, through offshore betting sites. You know, so it was a little more accessible, a little easier once we got to that point, you know, where I could just send my money to uh, Costa Rica or Panama or something like that, you know, because then I can bet the higher amounts, you know, then, then they would they would take my money and I could bet ten or $15,000 on a game. Whereas before, you know, if I'm going straight through a bookie or something like that, it was a little, you know, I, I couldn't quite get to that level. But again, I wasn't at that point in my in my addiction when I was betting through bookies, I, once I was able to bet online through, through offshore, um, sites, I was, I was, um, a little more advanced in my, uh, in my gambling, should we say? Well, in the early days, you wouldn't have been married. I assume, I assume at some point, uh, you married kids. So in the early days you're single, you're, you're having a little bit of fun. Um, certainly we all enjoy, uh, a little bit of, you know, like, gambling i don't think is as long as it's under control isn't the end of the world uh 50 dollars here 100 dollars there obviously you mentioned a million dollars uh which is uh, heavy um when you get married none of this comes up right so this is when it gets you know starts to get a little scary you know when when i got married i got married back in 2006 and i would say at that point my gambling was was an issue but it wasn't 
nearly to the to the degree that it eventually got to. But I didn't tell my wife about it. She I didn't she knew nothing about this. And and so as we kind of worked through the early years of our marriage and we had our first son in 2009, that's when things started to get really bad. And behind the scenes, I was taking money from our, our joint accounts and diverting that into other accounts that I had set up so that I could gamble with it. Okay. And so now I'm, I'm not only lying to my wife on a daily basis to cover up my gambling, I'm taking money that she thought was going towards investments and that sort of thing that she trusted me to handle because I just, I was, I was out of control and I was, the gambling had become all consuming with me. Right. So from the time I woke up until the time I went to bed, that's all I could think about how I'm going to get money to gamble with. And I was also working for myself during that period of time as a, as a contractor. Okay. And so <laughs> when, when a customer or a client hands me a $30,000 check for a project, I was a general contractor. That's a challenge to a gambling addict. All right. My intentions were never to, to take people's money and hit the, hit the road. My intentions were always the best, but I had become so consumed with this gambling that I couldn't stop. And so I would take, for example, I would take a $30,000 deposit check from a customer under the, on the understanding that that money was going towards the project that we had signed a contract to do. And I would take 20,000 of that 30,000 and dump it on a football game or dump it on a basketball game. And this is what started to happen. And so I was doing the same thing with behind the scenes with my, my wife and our accounts and that sort of thing. And so um, as it progressed, obviously my wife was noticing that things were not adding up. Weird things were happening and we were getting notices in the mail about, you know, overdrafts and all this. And she would ask me about it and I would always cover it up somehow and misdirect or deceive or um, basically lie because that's what I did. I became a professional liar to cover up my gambling addict, my, my gambling addiction. And so, um, yeah, that's kind of how it started early on in our marriage. I have to assume, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think here. You, you have to forgive me. Uh, I toss twenty dollars on a on a hockey game or a football game. It doesn't matter. There's a there's a a rush that comes even from twenty dollars. So I assume uh, when you put twenty thousand on a game, there must be an incredible rush when you win, uh, and when you lose, it must be some sort of like I don't know what the word is, but it wouldn't be a good feeling. Uh, eventually. I assume that's what you, that you live for that, that type of feeling. Is that fair? Yeah, that's, that's accurate. You know, yeah, it's the rush. It's the dopamine in your brain. You know, anybody that's familiar with, with um, addiction and how that works, it's a lot of it has to do with the dopamine in your brain. And that's no different. Like I said earlier, no different than what happens with a, a heroin addict or a, or a meth addict or something like that. So yes, there's a rush. You know, if I, if I were to hit a, a $20,000 win, that was a huge rush, you know, and yeah, those, those losses were crushing. And one of the worst things about it was, I'll just give you an example. You know, we're sitting around, this was, this was probably 2012, 2013. We were over at my wife's parents for Thanksgiving, you know, and we're watching a football game. And I think I had 17 or $18,000 on this game. And it was the Dallas Cowboys and they were playing somebody, I forget who they were playing, but 
it came down to the last last play of the game and I lost. And we're sitting there about, about ready to have dinner. My wife is sitting, nobody knows about this except for me. And I, I have to keep this in and hide it from my family and, and, and all of that. And my wife has no idea that we just lost the mortgage payment. She has no idea that we just, I just um, took 10 grand out of one of our investment accounts and lost it. And as we're sitting down for dinner, I've got to put on a happy face and pretend like everything is great. You know, and it's, so it's, <laughs> it is a sick and twisted way to live, but I lived it for, you know, for several years. All I can think of is last night, the Edmonton Oilers are in the playoffs, right? They're playing the Colorado Avalanche. And uh, they're down one game to nothing. And they lose for nothing. And I got three young kids. And I got a wife. I have no money on this game other than I'm just that invested with the Edmonton Oilers, right? Like, they have sucked for a very long time. So to <laughs> see them uh, be a, a competitive team in the conference finals, you know, like, you wear your heart on your sleeve, so to speak. And I'm grumpy because they're not playing well and they're getting they're losing three nothing and finally my wife i'm trying you know in my head i'm trying not to be angry but i'm angry because i'm watching the game and i'm just like you know whatever i assume you when you say you became a professional liar like that's that feeling 17,000 times stronger but now you have to put on this face of like yeah, everything's all right like it, it's okay like that must that takes being a duck on the water to an all new extreme. It was crushing. Yeah. And that's, you know, that we, maybe we can get into it in a minute, but that was, that was, that was kind of the beginning of the end the last couple of years, because I was living that lie. Right. And it's not just with my wife and friends. It's also with my son at the time. We had one son at the time. We now have two, but you know, not being the same dad every day, coming home some days in a good mood, some days I'm just a, 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 a lunatic, right? I've been out hustling money all day long and I'm losing money left and right. And my son just wants his dad. And I wasn't mentally present at all. I was totally disconnected. I wasn't, a, I was just a, um, I was not a good father, not a good husband because I had been, I was consumed with my gambling and that's all that mattered to me you know and so yes um you know when i would lose those games and and yeah i had to put on a I put on a happy face and it was just a, it was a farce the whole thing was a farce it was it was um <clears throat> trying to convince people that things were okay when they weren't you know and it's it's no way to live that's for sure so when does it what's the rock bottom like what what when you hit your lowest like you know because this is um from looking at it, you being open and willing to talk about all of this i assume things are better and the fact you're still with your wife you have a second kid what is if you reverse time and go back to the lowest moment what is the lowest moment like what is like oh boy sure that's a great that's a great question you know th there were a lot of them you know and and I would say probably my lowest, lowest, the lowest point in my life was um, towards the end before I had, had eventually gone to treatment and then ultimately jail. That was actually, believe it or not, not my lowest point. My lowest point was before that when I was completely out of money, had exhausted all resources, all avenues, 
no friends, no family, none, nobody would loan me money anymore. I couldn't get any money anymore, anywhere. Um, I, I took $9, believe it or not, I took $9 from my four-year-old son's piggy bank because I had no money and I had to go get some gas. And I remember putting the $9 in the gas tank, sitting in a parking lot and staring out the window for, I don't know, what seemed like hours trying to figure out a way to end my life, but make it look like an accident so that my wife could collect the life insurance. So these are the thoughts that are going through my head. And that was my lowest point, you know? Um, and then I remember coming home that night, my four-year-old son asked me where his money went. And I lied to my four-year-old son and said, I have no idea. I had taken his $9 that he had put in his own piggy bank because I was so desperate. So that's it. That's rock bottom. And then, you know, it wasn't that, you know, I think it was maybe two months later, my wife found out my family exposed it. If they discovered what the root of the problem was, sent me off to treatment. Then I ended up going to jail and we can maybe get on touch on that in a minute, but that was it. Yeah. That was rock bottom. You mentioned your wife doesn't know anything. She doesn't know that it's gambling, right? Okay. So she knows there are problems at this point, you know, there's, there, there are holes in the boat all over the place. There's water leaking everywhere. She, she knows that there are issues, but she can't pinpoint it. All right. Um, because you don't, again, you, you, you don't with a drug addict or an alcoholic, you can physically see it on them, right? You can, you can recognize, Hey, you're not well, but with a gambling addict, you don't see the physical signs. So it's much harder to, to, to recognize. And the gambling addict is going to lie and deceive and manipulate however they can to cover up the fact that they're, they're, they're gambling and they're, and they're using money and all this other stuff to feed their addiction. So she didn't know it was gambling. She knew it was a, there was a problem for sure. She just couldn't pinpoint it until the very end. How about uh, you mentioned your, your family uh, exposed? Like you, you said nobody would loan you money anymore. So I assume at some point you were getting loans from family or friends is there, is there, is there nobody who had any idea of this or were there a certain group of people that had figured it out? Cause I mean, like you had to have had a friend or two that knew you gambled. Yeah. I mean, there were some friends of mine that knew I gambled, you know, but they didn't know that I it had gotten to the point that it had gotten to. And they didn't know that all of the problems that we were having financially and all the other problems and, and my irrational behavior, they didn't know that that was the, the cause of it. Right. So I had some friends that, that knew I gambled for sure, but they didn't, they had no idea that it, it had reached the point it had reached, you know? And so again, we're just, we're, we, we, we become so creative with our lies that it's almost, you spin people in so many circles that they don't even know what to believe anymore. Right. And so I had, I had, I had told my wife so many different things. She didn't know how to know, she didn't know what to believe, you know? And so um, I think it, so at the very end, what I did was, I think it was out of desperation. I sent an email to a family member just basically saying, Hey, I need $50,000, um, to pay off some, some, some bills and this sort of, you know, just, and that found family member reached out to my wife's parents and then they got involved, started doing a little more research and discovered that I had a, a gambling problem. And then that's when they all came together and basically arranged an intervention, you know, where we all sit down in a room and, and, and 
they, they, they give me an ultimatum. Hey, you're going to go off to treatment now, or we're, we're out of here, right? This is, you're done. Your gambling days are done. And, and that was the beginning of, of the mess really, because then it was, then my wife had to uncover all the years of, of bullshit, right? All the lies, everything that I had hidden for years, my wife was now going to uncover. And that took, that took, that took months to, to kind of sort through that. Man, that'd be okay. So you go to treatment. You got a wife who's uncovering like holy Dinah. This isn't a thousand dollars over here, a thousand dollars over here. Like this is a big amount of money. Did treatment, I assume treatment helped, but I mean, eventually you got to come back to the real world too. And I don't mean, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. I just mean when I say the real world, I mean, eventually you got to come back to face the problems you've created, which had to have been really difficult. I assume. Right. And that's the problem with, with gambling. Um, if it gets to the point like it did with me. Okay. So yeah, I went off to treatment and I was able to sit down with professionals who understood what was going on inside of my head. And all this, all the while, while I was doing making all these decisions and, and, and doing this, I'm, I'm saying to myself, why, why, why am I doing this? I know it's wrong, but why, but I continue to do this. And so what I, what I learned in treatment, and what they explained to me was, okay, well, yeah, you're sick. You got a, you've got a big time addiction and this is how you can get better. And so we went through that process and that was only 30 days, but you're right. Once I leave there, now what? I've got to go back to the real world. And as a gambling addict, this is, you know, with a heroin addict or a drug alcoholic, you can go get better, but you're not, you're not going home to a million dollars of debt, right? And, and, and creditors and, uh, you know, law enforcement and all this other stuff that I had to deal with when I got back, I still had all this money to pay back. Um, I had criminal charges that I had pled guilty to for defrauding my clients. And I was now um, three weeks away from going in for my sentencing for, for these crimes that I committed to feed my addiction. And so, yeah, that was not the end of it. That was just the beginning. And so I ended up going to jail, which actually was a good thing for me because it removed me from the mess. Right. And I had four months to sit in jail and basically just process what I had done over the last 10 years, 15 years, um, and try and figure out what I was going to do moving forward and how I was going to do it. So it's a long process, but once I left jail, I had a clear head and I had some clarity for the first time in years. And I remember walking out of that place thinking, you know, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I will do it one way or the other. I, I'm not gambling ever again. I'll, I'll, I don't know how I'm going to get a good job because now I've got felonies on my record. How is this? How am I going to make my life better? And I didn't know. I didn't have the answer to that. But what I did do um, was I just I told myself that I was nothing was going to stop me at that point. I would figure out a way to get my life back, hopefully get my marriage back. And I was going to keep moving forward. And I didn't I didn't care if, if I had been judged by everybody in my life or not. I was going to do it. And so it was just a, a decision I finally made once I got healthy that um, I was going to do everything in my power to get my life back. 
I assume that's been a because um, once you once you get out of it, I assume you start to feel better. And uh, once you start feeling better, I, I assume you you know you almost crave that that feeling over the other one. Because I mean, uh, not having to worry about outstanding debt, going to jail, cops coming, uh, you know, lying to your wife like lying. I'm, I'm, uh, my wife will laugh at me, but I, I like, I'm a, I can't keep any secret. Like I'm, I'm a horrendous secret keeper. I don't, I don't like it at all. I don't like the feeling. Right. Like I, I think about it way too much. Like I, I don't think I'd be a great anything that involves lying because I just, I just can't do it. I'm like, I'm not good at it. Um, but I assume once you're out and you, you, you start to get that moving along, um, it would take time, but that time would feel pretty gratifying. No. Yeah. You said it well. I mean that the feeling I have now and the feeling I've had ever since that, that moment I walked out of jail was just like you described. It's, it's, it's every day being able just transparency, living my life the way I, I, I should have been living it where I don't have to think about all the lies and all the secrets anymore. I can just go through life and be transparent and go about my, my, my day and not worry about all the stuff on the periphery, not worry about all the, 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 the stuff, you know, all the, the things I had to deal with before. And it's, it's a great feel. Yeah. I mean, to know that I've turned the corner and I'm never going back because the way I look at it is I only have one recovery in me and this is it. I'm not going back. If I ever relapsed, it's over. So I've got my family back. My wife, it took a long time though. I mean, it took a good year, year and a half before my wife even let me back into the house, right? Before I could even move back in with my wife. So, but it is, it's a gratifying feeling. It's, it's a great way to live, you know? And, and you know, like you said, fortunately for you, you're not a good liar <laughs> because it's not, it's not a fun way to, you know, when, when you, when you're sitting down at, at the dinner table with your spouse and you guys are talking about all your hopes and dreams, you know, and this is what we want to do and let's put money and let's save money and let's do this. And, and you're looking your wife in the eye and, and knowing that you're taking that money and gambling with it. And she, she, she has the, she had the trust in me that I was doing the right thing. And I wasn't, that's, that's soul crushing, you know, and to, to be on the other side of that now is, yeah, it's amazing. Well, the one thing about that is this wouldn't happen overnight. N- neither end of this happens overnight, right? You don't get better overnight, and you certainly don't fall into this overnight. This is, you know, like to, um, what we, I guess you've been going around and, and talking openly about this, right? And talking about addiction and, and maybe some of the stigma that comes with it, but to, to a, a, a novice gambler who's throwing five bucks here and ten dollars there what what do you say to, to to because once upon a time that would have been would have been you patrick would have been you would have been i mean way back when when it was just a football game what do, what do you say to the 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 novice or the newbie that's just ah oh, you know i just throw a couple bucks here it's not that big a deal and you know and they got no wife no kids and they're, they're just you know it's a little bit of play money and it's not that big a deal so that's a great question. And there's a couple, couple of ways I look at that. You know, there's, there's, I'm fully aware that, that, that people can gamble recreationally and it's not an issue for them. You know, I, like you said, I mean, there, there, there are people that'll go to the track or 
once or twice a year and bet a couple bucks or they'll put a couple bucks on a hockey game here and there. And it's not, it's not an issue for them. What else, what I also say though, too, is that like you, and you alluded to it earlier, it's so much more um, in our face now. And our kids are seeing these advertisements on these games and they're being fed this stuff constantly. And we don't, we don't educate our kids on the dangers of gambling. So that's, that's the main thing with me. It's like, okay, we, we talk, we talk to our kids about drugs and alcohol and they're bad and stay away from them. And you have to be 21 to, to, to drink and, and, you know, but we don't educate them on the dangers of gambling because nobody, nobody, it's not recognized really as, as, as a problem. And it's, and it's going to be, it's going to get so much worse because of, like you said, because our kids are being fed all of this and it's always portrayed in these, in these, uh, during these games, when you see these advertisements, it's always portrayed as something that's fun. They don't show the, they don't show the people that are losing their ass, right? They don't show the people that, that are losing money. They just show people winning money. And so it's, it's, it's that, right? It's just, we need to educate our kids and be aware of what can happen. Yeah. Well, get stuck in. It reminds me, you know, I, I don't remember big tobacco back in the day, but you can go back and look at the ads they used to, uh, they used to do for smoking cigarettes. Let's just take smoking cigarettes as one. Right. And now you look at what they've done to smoking. I mean, if you're going to have a cigarette, you're going to look at lung cancer on the package and everything else. And every video that comes out is showing you the, the horrifying um, things that come from smoking. And you just look at where gambling is right now. And when you say it's going to get worse, oh, no doubt it's going to get worse, right? Like you can't, I, I hadn't thought about the kids because you're right. Like uh, when they get hammered, you know, kids are so perceptive of things, right? They just, they're a sponge at young ages and second in. And I, I, I want them to watch the hockey game with dad. And dad doesn't think too much about all the commercials. He kind of chuckles in his head at like, you know, but they got some, some, you know, I just look at MGM right now. They're, they're betting website. They got Wayne Graxke, uh, you know, who young kids aren't going to remember who that is. And they got, uh, uh, oh shoot an actor. And I'm forgetting his name, Jamie Foxx. And I'm like, you know, and that's where it begins. And they got a cool little, you know, intro and everything else. And I'm like, it's going to suck people in. And eventually you're going to have, you know, uh, I, I don't mean to, uh, three under the bus for your previous life, but you're going to have a bunch of Patrick Chester's running around. No doubt. Because listen, I know what throwing $10 on a hockey game does. It makes it more meaningful. And all of a sudden you're, you're staring at it. But now Patrick, like, I I don't know if you've uh, paid attention at all at the, like you can pretty much bet on anything. Like who's going to score first. Who's going to tie their one shoelace up the other way. Who's going to run into the goalie. Like, it's put money. You can put these little side bets everywhere, which makes if the game to win or lose was interesting. Now every shift can be interesting. And I assume that's going to accelerate this whole problem even more so. Yeah. Oh, for sure. You know, and, and it's interesting, you know, when I, when I, after spending so many years gambling on, on, on games, right. And then I, I got better. And then I went to my first, football game after that and I'm sitting there with my son and I had mixed emotions because I was so happy to be just sitting there with my son at a game just to be at a game with my son and I didn't have any money on it right that was that was cool but at the same time I'm sitting there and it's my favorite team playing and I'm looking around and I'm like 
this this sucks. Like, do people actually do this? People actually go to a game and not bet thousands of dollars on the game on the outcome of the I, like who's who does this? You know, and I'm so I it was yeah, like you said, it's it 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 always it had more meaning. Obviously, you know, when you've got thousands of dollars on the outcome of a game, you know, or any any part of the game, right? Yeah, you can bet on the coin toss, you can bet on the first quarter, you can bet on anything. So I had to kind of get over that. And, and it's taken, a, it's been a process to be able to just watch a game for the sake of watching a game, <laughs> you know, that's a, that's a wild thought. Cause I just, I've, I've always just watched a game to watch a game, you know, like I, uh, I, I understand what you say there. And I, I, I'm sure there's a ton of people listening right now that, that hear that and go, oh, I get exactly what it means, but I, you know, I flick on a game and I, I'm I'm invested just for the entertainment value of the the actual sport, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely, it makes sense, you know. And then, um, like I said, for me, it was a huge adjustment to, to to get get out of that mindset of of having to have money on the game. Do you uh, so? You know, I think of a Vander Kane. He's an Edmonton Oiler. I, I see you're wearing a Kraken hat, so I assume. Uh, uh, when I bring up the name Vander Kane, um, maybe you know a little bit of his background, but uh, like mm-hmm. him having the gambling debts and everything in Vegas and all that, are you like, man, the, he just needs to to talk to the right person? But you got to think in the NHL, something like that would be, they'd be trying to give him the best, you know, like I've had guys like Theo Fleury and uh, Clint uh, Malarchuk and guys like that who had a different type of addiction. And right. uh, the uh, help they receive from the NHL is more than any of us will ever get. And yet they relapsed over and over and over again. When you see that, do you think, actually, I don't know. What What do you think? Like, do you think, no, actually, I'm just going to, what do you think when you see the professional athlete get in that, to that realm? Well, it's, it's, it's a great question. You know, I, I, I was just having a conversation the other day with somebody about Phil Mickelson. You know, there's, there's some stuff coming out about him now that is, is staggering. Um, you know, and, and I think we'll hear more about that here soon, but to me, it's, it's, um, you're right though. They the, a lot of these professional athletes, um, have more resources, have more, more, more avenues to, to seek help. Right. You know, like um, you mentioned Clint Malarchuk and I, I spoke with him um, a few months ago. And, and so I am familiar with, with, with kind of his journey a little bit. And these, these athletes, when they, when they, when they're drafted, I, I you know, sounds to me like a lot of them, they, they, they educate them all on, on what the dangers are of, especially of gambling, you know, and they do have more more resources to, to, to work with, but still, when you get, when you're sick like that and you, you know, and you have a full blown addiction, all the resources in the world aren't going to, aren't going to make a, much of a difference if you if you're, if your brain is, is screwed up, you know what I mean? So you've got to just, you've got to get, you know, seek help, get professional help and, and not keep it a secret like I did for so many years. Yeah, the uh, the the Phil Mickelson. Well, 
yeah, like I, I once again, I just come back. I feel you know, I throw twenty bucks on on blackjack, let alone a hockey game or that. I just feel guilty. I'm just like, ah, I don't know if I, I don't like the feeling. And yet, even though you can win money, and I have won money, and then you hear of like Phil Mickelson, and I always bring up Evander Kane. He's playing for the Oilers, obviously, and 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 his story's been very public. Heck, he had at times uh, pictures of him with just like stacks of money, and you just like, man, somebody needs to just remind like it's all good like he wants to go do it with his money what he wants to do but when you get down the rabbit hole of of where he is or you know and phil phil's a, an excellent one because i mean there's a guy who's made a ton of money playing golf and now it's coming out all these different things and you're like oh man like you wish well i don't actually i don't even know if i wish i just like, what are you doing now? Uh, you're, you're, I know in your bio, it talked about you talking to, to kids and, and being a little bit of a, a resource for people uh, who are dealing with different things. And, and, and then on top of that, maybe even to warn them, your, your story here certainly will shed a light for, for different people. What are you doing now, Patrick, in order to uh, help people along? Right. And so what I do is I travel... Um travel around the country and I speak at treatment centers. I speak with patients, primarily gambling addicts. I, I will speak with drug addicts and alcoholics too, just, just about addiction and mental health and what that does to the, to the brain. But I deal with, with gambling addicts primarily. And I just, I try and educate them on the process of, of, of and the road they're going to go down now after they've, if they're turning the corner and what they're going to face, you know, one in five, I think it's one in five gambling addicts will um, attempt suicide. So, and the reason for that is all of the financial carnage that we leave behind, you know? And so that's what these, these people are going to face when they get out of treatment. So that's kind of what I talk to them about the process. And then I also do, you know, I'll speak at schools from time to time and speak to the children and not, not young, you know, high school and college primarily. And just, try and educate them. Like we talked about earlier on, on the dangers and the things that they're, like you said, you, you can bet from your phone. I mean, there, you can bet there are so many ways to do it and it's so accessible, but just be aware of what can happen, especially if you're, you're, you know, you come from a family that has addiction issues. You know, my father was an alcoholic, you know, and so it runs in my family um, and you could be more susceptible to it. And so it's all the, all the, the warning signs and the things to look for too, as well. You know, if you're a family member, Hey, these are things you can look out for, you know, um, and understanding that the addict is going to lie and deceive and manipulate any way they can to distract you from what's really going on. So it's not just the patients I talk to. It's also, you know, concerned family members. Like, I don't know what to do anymore. My, my, my son or my wife or my husband is doing this and I, I can't really figure out what's happening, but you know, it's, it's all these things that add up and it's, and it's, and it's educating them and letting them know, Hey, th these are things you can look out for. And I would think, you know, here in Canada, uh, we're different than the States, uh, for the past two years in the, in the, the pandemic lockdowns and everything like that. Certainly different States handled it different in the United States. Um, but here in Canada, and I assume I can speak for, you know, some of what you've went through, uh, but the lockdowns were extremely difficult. And up here in Canada, we had some 
we continue to have strange times, but not nearly as bad as what it had been over the last year where people were isolated, uh, were, you know, kept away from family, friends, that type of thing. And online gambling has become such a prevalent thing. You know, I, I think back to when I was in college and uh, you could play the online poker you know, poker stars and all that stuff. And I had teammates when I was playing college hockey that, that would spend, you know, get into an online tournament. And I, I didn't judge them at the time. And now I'm just thinking, I wonder how that ever turned out. But, you know, like they'd stay up all night playing online poker. And I'm like, at the time, I remember, well, yeah, okay, you know, did you win? Uh, yeah, actually I did. Oh, okay, yeah, carry on. And I never really thought too much further than that because it was just, you know, like if I was into whatever, I, I have no idea. And it was going to take, till two in the morning. I mean, I'm in it. Let's, let's roll. Right. And I, I enjoy a good poker game. Like, like most, you know, is there signs like if you're, if you're a, a friend or a family member of someone and you're worried about any of this, you know, especially after the last two years of isolation and, and just, you know, like the increasing pace of being able to do this from your phone. So like, you don't have to take a special trip to a bookie. You don't have to make phone call. You literally, Everybody has a device in their hand that can do it. And honestly, they'll, they'll give you free bucks to start an account with, right? So it's like, it's a very slippery slope. For, for family members or friends, is there anything to like watch out for? I, I, I know you mentioned like the, the tough thing about um, this addiction is it's, you know, it's pretty tough to recognize. It's really tough. Yeah, it's really tough to, you know, again, you don't, you don't see it physically. But what you can look for, obviously, you know, the financials, you know, that sort of thing that can take a while before that really starts to surface. Right. I mean, it's, you know, for me, I was able to hide the fact that we were, we were losing money hand over fist for a while. Um, but that eventually comes to the surface, but it's the erratic behavior. You know, like I said earlier, you don't see, you didn't necessarily see it on me physically, like you would a drug addict or an alcoholic, but my behavior was really erratic, you know, uh, you know, if I had won, I was in a great mood, you know, if I had just won a 15 or $20,000 bet, you know, and I could pay some stuff off and dump some money in the account and make it look like things were good for a while. But then if I were, were to lose that, which I inevitably would, um, my behaviors were constantly changing. So that's one of the main things to look for is just erratic behavior and unpredictability, you know, mood swings, those sorts of things, you know, and especially from somebody that like me, I wasn't, you know, I was pretty normal, <laughs> so to speak. You know, I didn't have mood swings before all this or anything like that. So my behavior started to change. And that's one of the main things you can look for, you know, um, when it comes to gambling addiction. Yeah. I, I think that's probably, I, I, I don't know this for sure. Cause you're, you're certainly right in the physical element of, of, like you're not putting anything in your body, which will give you, you know, different things or, or smells or whatever else to look for. But the mood swing thing I find very interesting um, because, you know, in the middle of COVID, I had some tough months where, you know, like family, friends, just like the, the, the fact that carried on and kept going and people, uh, people being divided so hard and, and there's a whole bunch there, but I know what you mean. You have a big win and you feel better and you, you're kind of like, Ooh, yeah, here you go. 
for me, if at times, you know, you have a couple sociable drinks and all of a sudden you just feel better and there's, there's an emotional uptick and there's a downtick maybe when you come off of that. And that right there, if you don't dig into what it is, I could see where that snowballs and carries on. And trying to, I assume communication is huge because even with, even with the ability to lie, you can trip people up when they, like, that doesn't make sense. That probably creates some anger, I would assume. I, I assume that people, as they got closer and closer to it, there was probably more and more defensiveness from you. But once again, I just go like seeing people's erratic behavior. I think that really stems across a lot of things that are going to come out of the last two years. Oh, for sure. You know, and that's just, that just compounds it. Like you said, what we've all gone through in the last two years. Um, <laughs> you know, there are a lot of, you know, behaviors and things like that, that are, that are, that are, have been affected and, and are changing and, and, all sorts of different issues that are coming from the fact that we had to, we were in lockdown for so long and, you know, everybody's working from home. And, and, you know, when it comes, goes back to, to my situation and I think you just mentioned it. Um, I was very defensive. I got very defensive towards the end, you know, and, and it's interesting because there were people on the outside of our family circle that did make mention to me of, of things that weren't making sense. They would say, well, well, this doesn't make sense or this doesn't make sense. And it's important to note that the closer you are to somebody like my wife, for example, we talked about this earlier. A lot of times it's harder to see what you don't want to see. You know what I mean? So you always want to believe your, your spouse or your boyfriend, your girlfriend, you always want to believe them. So when they tell you something, your tendency is to to want to believe that, even though maybe in the back of your mind, you think you're thinking, wow, this just doesn't seem right. But if you're on the outside, a lot of times it's easier to, to recognize what's, you know, that, that there's an issue. You know what I mean? Like friends of mine would, you know, started to recognize, Hey, this is just not making sense. You know, but sometimes it's tougher if you're, if you're close to somebody to pick up on some of these things. Yeah. I, I, I certainly know what you mean. And as I watch the clock, and I know uh, we we have a, a, an impending time deadline, uh, I just really appreciate you coming on and, and and being open about your story. I have one final question that I want to get to, but before I get there, uh, I want to make sure that I didn't miss anything through the story or any you know any thoughts you have, because if there is, by all means, uh, Patrick, uh, fire away, because this is you know. Uh, Addiction and mental health is is something that I feel like, and I could be wrong. I feel like has has really come to the forefront. Like, I, I mean, you go back fifteen years. I don't think anybody was talking about this. It was certainly um, on society standards pushed to the back burner, maybe even looked down upon. I, I'm not sure, but I feel like it, it's becoming more and more open and available to talk about. But in saying all that, if there's something that I've missed, or maybe you disagree with that thought in general. By all means. No, I think you nailed it. Um, there, there are a couple of things. I grew up in a, in a time where my parents and most of the parents at that time were, took what I call the old school approach to addiction and mental health. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to hear about it. Let's pretend it's not there. Let's just move on with our life. If we pretend it's not, doesn't exist, then maybe it'll go away. 
Well, that's not the way I, I, I go about it. Um, and maybe it's because I went so far off the rails that I've taken the opposite approach. I'm open about it. I don't preach to people. I don't preach to kids. What I do is I, I, I'm open about my story because early on in my recovery, um, I was able to make a difference in the lives of some people that were struggling with drug addiction and, and gambling addiction. And it's because of that, that I, that I am open about it. I mean, I'm not, I don't enjoy talking about um, all of the things I did to feed my addiction. I don't enjoy that, but it's, I, to me, it's necessary. And it gives me a sense of um, accomplishment, I'll say, to be able to help somebody as opposed to, you know, spending so many years taking, I'm now actually able to give in a way that I never thought possible. And so I think it is, it's, it's important to talk about this stuff, addiction, mental health. And you're right. It is, it is mental health is, is um, people are more open to, to talking about it now. Whereas before 10, 15, 20 years ago, like, you know, we just didn't talk about any of it. Um, but for me, I talked about gambling addiction because that's my story, but also to people aren't talking about that enough because it hasn't been been brought to the forefront. It's just, it will in five or 10 years, we're going to see a lot of these kids grow up and they're going to get into college and they're going to be full blown raging gambling addicts. Um, so my, my purpose and my point is to talk about this now and in, in hopes that it can pre- prevent some of that down the road. You know, and another thing, I don't know why I have this thought, but uh, even in like pop culture, movies, television, Certainly the gambling addict isn't popularized, like isn't a popular character. And yet the story, I just think, I don't know what movies I'm thinking of, to be honest, but I I think Matthew McConaughey was in one, you know, like it always seems like it's a popular thing to do sports gambling, even when they're getting thumped on by the, the bookie or getting called or chased or anything like that. They always seem to come out on the up and up, which probably isn't the case, uh, in that world. It's not the case at all. It's, 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 yeah, it's in TV and movies. It's always portrayed the, the, the gambler and the gambling, um, just gambling in general is portrayed as something that's respectable. You know, you look at these, these, whatever characters we're referring to in movies that, yeah, they always seem to come out on top or, um, things work out what you're not seeing is, is the majority of people that gamble lose over the long haul. I mean, if you're just going to gamble once a, once or twice a year and, you know, bet on the Super Bowl and the Stanley cup finals and that's it. Okay, fine. But if you're going to gamble regularly, um, compulsively, like I did, you're going to lose. And these people that tell you that, you know, well, I've got all the secrets and I know I do all the homework and the research that, that, that that's nonsense. I mean, it's a proven fact that if you, if you, if you keep betting, I mean, who, they're not building these casinos on, on winners. I mean, these casinos are built because people are, I mean, how are they building these places in Las Vegas? I mean, it's not because people are going there and taking their money. They're going there and giving them their money. So it's, you know, it's, it's a sick, sick world, you know? And again, I don't, I don't, begrudge anybody if they want to go place a bet or whatever. I mean, that's great. You know, and if you, you don't have a, if you're not prone to addiction and you can do it great, but let's just be aware of what can happen. You know, if you go off the rails, 
like some of us do and, and, and things can turn bad really quickly. Let's assume right now, Patrick, somebody is listening and they were where you were, not the million dollar part and certainly not the treatment part, but somewhere in the line towards there. What would you say to them? Just uh, open up, talk to somebody about it. I mean, the, the thing I, the, I, there were many junctures along the way for me where I could have just owned it. I could have gone into my wife and said, Hey, here's where I'm at. Here's what I'm doing. It would have saved a lot of, of grief, a lot of financial damage down the road, but I did not do that. And that's my biggest regret. So if you, if you think there's an issue, if you think you're having a problem with it, you are, and you need to, you need to address it. You need to talk to somebody, whether that's, um, a stranger, um, a therapist, your wife, your friend, whoever, talk to somebody about it. Let them know you're having an issue and you're struggling with it. Because if if you think you are, you're already past that point and you need to get on top of it before it becomes, again, before it becomes too, too much of a problem. Well, with five minutes to go, I'll, I'll slide into the final five uh, brought to you by Crude Master. Uh, shout out to Heath and Tracy McDonald, who've been supporters of the podcast since the very beginning. It's a simple, wow, it's not a simple question. It's a difficult question to answer. Um, Heath was on the podcast and he said, if you're going to stand behind a cause that you think is right, then stand behind it. Absolutely. What's one thing Patrick Chester stands behind? I stand behind recovery. Um, you know, a lot of us know a drug addict or an alcoholic that was able to get treatment and turn their life around. You know, um, there's a lot of shame. There's a lot of guilt associated with, with addiction in general, especially with gambling addiction because of all the stuff we've talked about, you know, but once you get past that shame and that guilt and you believe in your recovery, be proud of it. Don't be ashamed of it because for me, when I first got out of jail, those, those early days, I was afraid to go to the store for a while for fear of running into somebody that I had, had lied to or, or taken money from or whatever to feed my addiction. And that's the shame part of it. So once I got past that, I said, you know what? My life is going to be better if I stick to my recovery and work, work the plan like I, like I know I, I, I can. And I stuck to it. And here I am seven years later with a great job, two kids, an amazing wife, and things are, things are great. So take pride in recovery and, and don't be ashamed of it because, you know, you can turn your life around. Well, I appreciate you uh, hopping on here and give me some of your time, Patrick, all the best to you in your end of the world. And uh, yeah, I appreciate you hopping on. Sean, thanks. Appreciate it. Have a good day. You too.